Oh, it smells like Easter in here and it just smells like heaven. I love this so much. Remember to edit from right here. Well, thank you again so much to all of those who have been um, helping us with our worship services. Uh, for Crystal Posey, who was our liturgist this morning, for our faith ringers, uh, for our praise team, for Bob and Kathy Eden, uh, for Gary Brubaker. Thank you so much uh, for Melody, uh, who offered our children's time. Thank you so much for all of the ways um, that you have helped to bring these services together. Now, this Easter morning, um, we are concluding our journey through Lent. Um, and throughout this Lenten series, we've been talking about the wilderness, looking at stories of the wilderness of Hagar and Jacob and Moses and Jesus, and thinking about what we bring with us into the wilderness and what we leave there and what we take with us. Now, just because we end the series on the wilderness doesn't mean that we've arrived. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden we are finished and complete and have achieved perfection. This is still a journey, and so we're still making this journey together. Um, but we come to the end of this, uh, this season and talking about the wilderness and where this wilderness has taken us into resurrection. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we tell the story of Jesus' resurrection, I think it's important to actually start in the beginning. Um, I mean, we can go all the way back to the Genesis beginning, but at least the Jesus beginning. And we start with who Jesus is as a baby born in a manger not the way anyone expected the Messiah or the King of Kings to come. And this would be a common theme throughout his life and ministry, that he did things that no one expected. Um, he ate with sinners. He healed the sick. He came to show us how to live and how to love and challenged every system of power, which ultimately led to his death and to his crucifixion. Now, there were people who followed Jesus, um, some friends and disciples. They followed and they learned from him. And Jesus told throughout this time of teaching, he's told about his death and resurrection, even if they didn't really fully understand what that meant. And after the last supper together, the disciples couldn't even stay awake with him while Jesus prayed. And they all deserted him except for the women, including his mother and Mary Magdalene. So let's talk about Mary Magdalene just a little bit, because there's a lot of misinformation about who Mary Magdalene is. So Mary Magdalene, her name Magdalene means comes from Magdala, which is a town. Um, and she's named in the Gospels more than any of the disciples. So she's actually pretty important to Jesus' story. And the story goes that she was possessed by seven demons until Jesus cast them out. And from then on, she followed him. Now, many believe that the women, including Mary Magdalene, were actually the ones who financed Jesus' ministry and travels. I mean, they had to get that money from somewhere, right? And so it was the women who provided this money so that they could travel. And Mary Magdalene was the first to the tomb that morning to see the stone had been rolled away. So Magdala, the town that she was from, 
much like the town next to Galilee, when Jesus, before Jesus was born, but the town Magdala, when she was younger, the Roman army came in to take control. And there was an uprising in the town as they refused and they, um, they fought this, um, this control, uh, which ultimately led to many crucifixions. Now, there's some estimates that these crucifixions were in the hundreds. And the road in and out of town was lined with crosses, not empty crosses, crosses with people on them. And this was the warning that the Roman Empire gave to people was, if you cross us, literally, um, this is what you'll end up like. So when Mary, Mary grew up with this story and knowing what this meant, and so when Mary saw Jesus crucified, she knew what that meant in its entirety. She knew what it meant to challenge the empire. And she also knew what death was like. And she, like everyone else, believed that death was permanent. So in order to get to Easter, we have to go through some things. We have to go through Good Friday. And we know Good Friday pretty well, even if we try and avoid it. Just like the women at the tomb, we know death. We know what to do with death. We put it in the tomb and we leave it there. The problem is sometimes instead of just leaving it there, we get stuck in it and we find ourselves locked in the tomb. So we've been talking about the wilderness for the last few weeks as an image that's used throughout scripture, sometimes as a physical description, but not always. It's an emotional place, a place of isolation or loneliness or confusion. It's a place feeling apart or abandoned by God. Although as we read through the stories, we're never abandoned by God. <clears throat> No matter what, throughout the wilderness journey, we're often changed. However, if we refuse, if we stay where we are, the wilderness can become like our tomb, where we get stuck. And there are so many tombs we have of our own. Grief pain, heartbreak, losing your job, your children rejecting you, not knowing who your parents are, not being able to have children, cancer, divorce, unforgiveness. We know tombs really well. And the tombs often call to us and beg us to enter because death is sticky. Death stays with us. I mean, as much as we want to live in hope, and we do, sometimes we just get stuck in the stuff of death or we get stuck in the wilderness. Sometimes it's just because that's all that seems to be around us. That's all we hear about violence and murder and shootings and hate and attacks and fear. And, and, and we know death really well. Death 
but it is so sticky. And yet this whole story tells us that death isn't the end. Jesus' resurrection. Jesus' resurrection announces to the world that death doesn't have the final word. And that even though death is all around us, and sometimes it just feels suffocating, the Spirit of God is closer than you think. And God invites us to give up death and embrace a new message, a message of life out of the wilderness. Where will we go? Will we stay and make the wilderness our tomb? Or will we keep going? Earlier this week, um, I received paperwork, um, as uh, I often do from hospice. Um, and the paperwork that I received was someone who contacted, um, who contacted me and the church uh, recently. And they started the conversation and they said, we haven't met, but I've been worshiping with you for the last year. And then they shared that they were dying and wondered if I could visit and pray with them. And um, they were concerned that I wouldn't um, because their membership isn't here. And I said, well, that doesn't matter. Um, what matters is if the hospital will let me in. But um, when I went um, and I met with them, they, they expressed that they hadn't been to church in, um, in decades. And after a while, it just became kind of strange and weird, and, um, and it just wasn't easy to go anywhere. And so they felt ashamed for having been so gone so long. And because of the pandemic and our worship services being online, they've worshiped with us for the last year. And they said, I think for the first time in decades, I heard, I heard that God loved me, that God loved me just as I am, that God loved me deeply and fully. I said, I don't know if I ever heard that in my whole life. That breaks my heart. No one should go through life not knowing that God doesn't love them, that God loves them. No one should be told that God doesn't love them. No one should have to feel that. And they said for the first time, they felt loved by God. And so we talked about that during our visit. And at the end, at the end of the visit, we held hands and we prayed for healing and wholeness and grace. Now, it's easy to look at that visit as one of hospice or one for someone who is approaching the end of their life and to think about that, that visit as a, as a visit of death. And yet it, it was not. In that time of conversation and prayer, it wasn't about an ending. It was about a beginning feeling something new and feeling life for the first time in a long time. It's a story of new life. And it's a story dripping with hope. Now, 
this pandemic hasn't been easy for anyone. And yet, in the middle of it, there have been these moments of grace. Ugh, for me, I don't know, for you, they've, they've taken my breath away at times. And as much as I, I feel like we can be reminded daily about death and tombs and even getting stuck in the wilderness, it's not. It's not the end because there's hope all around if we look for it. And, and who knows? Maybe we have been hope for someone that we didn't even know. As Mary approached the tomb of Jesus, she approached this place of death, the place where the dreams of her friend died, the place where her hope for the world died. This was about her friend, but this was also about the Messiah. And she's coming to this tomb heartbroken. Oh, this is not a wilderness of grief. You know these wildernesses. And she comes to the tomb and the stone has been rolled away. And suddenly so much more is possible. Hope is real. It's not just a story that we tell, but it's something that we see. And the story of resurrection, Jesus isn't in the tomb. The tomb is empty. And Jesus is on the outside calling for us to join him. Get out of that tomb. Leave. Jesus calls Mary by name and calls us by name and says, go through this wilderness. Give up those clothes of death. Give up your shame. Give up your, give up your guilt. Give up your anger. Give up your hurt. Give up your pain. Give up what you we've done to others. Give up death and join Jesus on the outside of the tomb in life. Oh, resurrection is amazing. And resurrection changes not just Jesus, but resurrection changes everything. Resurrection changes the fabric of creation. It changed the world. It changed you. It changed me. But it didn't just change once. It continues to change us. Hope surprised everyone by coming from the future into the present and says, hey, everybody, I'm here. Resurrection announces to the world that death is no more and anything that belongs to death doesn't get the last word. Greed, injustice, violence, prejudice, oppression, all of those things belong to death and they don't win. Resurrection announces that God hasn't given up on this world because this world and you and I matter. Resurrection says that love wins. Resurrection is new beginnings. Resurrection, oh gosh, it changes everything. And we, we as Christians, as people of faith, we are Easter people. Not just one day a year, but every day, in every moment, in, in, every, in every breath. 
We live in a world where resurrection has happened. We live in a world where eternity has broken into our world. We live in a world where the message of hope rings loud and clear. Love always wins. When the messages of the world around us tell us otherwise, God says no. Love wins. Because we're told that there's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough love. There's not enough. There's not enough of anything for anybody. And God says, oh, but I'm a God of abundance. I'm not a God of scarcity, a God of abundance. And there is always more than enough. There's life, a new life, and life abundant. Jesus' resurrection announces that not just to us, but to all of creation. On the outside of the tomb, Mary finally recognized Jesus as who he is after he says her name, Mary. You know, sometimes we're so clouded by death and we're so lost that we can't see hope staring right at us, that it's been with us the whole time speaking our name, walking the wilderness with us, even when we wanted to give up. Don't be afraid to trust hope, even when death is all around you. Resurrection, hope, new life, These are real, and they have the final word. I have seen the Lord. The Spirit of God wafts in, takes our breath away, and we're left staring hope squarely in the face. I have seen the Lord. For Jesus, who meets us exactly where we are and walks every step of our journey with us, I have seen the Lord. And for a God who loves us deeply and fully, in the middle of our brokenness and our giftedness, in the middle of our pain and in our joy, I have seen the Lord. May you have seen the Lord too, because Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen.